What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. On this week's episode, which is episode number 112, I am speaking with Kent Ritter. Now, Kent is a, uh, he's a real estate investor based in the Midwest in the U.S., but what is interesting about Kent's story is he has transitioned from being a management consultant employee to becoming a managing consultant business owner along with four partners that um, he established back in 2010. And then in 2015, himself and his partners, they cashed out, they sold the business, and Kent found himself with some capital sitting in the bank and wondering, what am I going to do with my hard-earned cash? So he started to dabble in the real estate market and in 2019 made the big leap into becoming a real estate investor and syndicating deals with other investors. And so he finds the property, he goes and does all of the due diligence, all of the work and the management of the property, and uh, high net worth individuals will put their money together, pool their money with his, and they will go and buy the property. Now, it's a, it's a well-tried and tested formula. It works very well. I've done it myself. And, uh, and so I think you're going to find today's conversation quite useful. What's particularly interesting in the conversation, I believe anyway, is just from, from the day-to-day tactical sort of uh, actions and behaviors that you need to take in order to go and start working with investors and raising money from investors. Like an investor, they have money that has been hard-earned as well, and they want to know that it's in good, safe hands. And it takes a while for you to build a rapport with investors for you to um, just generate the kind of reputation and relationship with investors. And so it's important to take steps to do that. And Kent is going to go into a lot of those kind of details, strategies and tactics that he uses in order to do his business. Now, he's in the middle of a investment fundraise at the moment, and he's raising $10 million. So he knows what he's talking about, and I do think this is a good episode. Regardless of where you're listening in from, there's some really practical advice that is applicable across any market. It doesn't really matter whether you're based in the US or Ireland or the UK or Australia, wherever you're listening in from. So look, I'm going to let Kent do the talking, and uh, so without further ado, my conversation with Mr. Kent Ritter. You are listening to Behind the Facade, and I'm your host, Gavin J. Gallagher. On this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously, both in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and your behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. Kent Ritter, welcome to the podcast. Gavin, thanks for having me on today. I'm excited to be on the show. It's great to have you, Kent. And tell me, uh, we, you and I have just been talking offline, but for our guests, tell us where in the world you are coming from right now. Yeah, so I'm, I'm coming from the, well, the, it's the racing capital of the world, right? I think that's how most people know it. Uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, we're, we're gearing up for the Indy 500 here at the end of the end of the month. So really everything in May uh, around where I live has to do with the race. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're kind of right in the heart of the Midwest in the United States. Brilliant. The Indy 500 is, uh, if you said, if you asked the question, uh, 
the racing capital of the world to uh, somebody living in Europe, they would probably say Monaco. <laughs> we mentioned that's that. Probably, that's that's probably little, right. You know, but uh, <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll give you that uh, given you're from the US. Well, but, um, I, I know it's the tagline they use. So I just, you know, yeah, just, re- just represent the hometown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good man. Loyal, loyal to the, to, to a fault. The, um, so Kent, we've got a, uh, an international audience here and you're from the yeah. Midwest in the U S just wanted to, um, I mean, let's get started with my usual question is, you know, you're in the real estate business, but you didn't start in the real estate business. Give us just a little bit of backstory as to what's kind of dragged you into sort of investing in real estate. Yeah, absolutely. So just to give the quick history, uh, I started out my career, well, really spent 12 years of my career as a management consultant. So I was flying around the country, uh, all in all within the U.S., but flying around the country, really helping companies solve problems that they couldn't solve themselves, right? So they would hire us to come in if there's some big issue. So that was a great learning experience because I just got to see hundreds of different businesses and how they work and what works and a lot of what doesn't work and start to see some themes come together, right? And and so Pattern, in yeah, in 2010, uh, some colleagues and I left to start our own management consulting firm. We, ju- we just felt that there was a pivot happening in the market. We didn't feel that that our current employer was was moving in that direction. So we decided to, to move in that direction, really niche down and really focus. And, and it, re- it went great, honestly. You know, we caught a wave at the right time and we grew the business from 2010, uh, five guys around a kitchen table. Uh, to 2015, we had 95 employees and about 30 million in annual revenue. We decided that was the right time to exit the business. We'd all grinded pretty hard and, and we were all ready uh, ready to, to cash, cash in, out. if you will. <laughs> yeah, cash out. And so um, in, in 2015, we sold that business and that really started my real estate career uh, because I had capital. I knew I didn't want to put it all in, in, in the stock market. Uh, I didn't want all my eggs in one basket. So I started looking at, at other ways to invest, alternative investments, uh, looked at a bunch of different things, but real estate really stuck out to me as, as the best to kind of fit my needs uh, for several reasons, uh, just not correlated with the stock market, right? So not moving up and down in tandem, uh, some good cash flow, great appreciation, and, and a lot of tax savings here, I mean, at least in the US. It, yeah. Maybe the same internationally, but but a lot of benefits. And so I started digging into real estate, really started on my own, uh, started investing with some friends and started investing with my own money. And then that that just evolved over time into realizing it was something I was good at, something that my skill set as a management consultant really applied well to. And we started having a fair amount of success. And so in 2019, we decided to start bringing on other investors and founded a, a formal business, which is Hudson Investing. And we started actually bringing other people into our deals and started buying bigger properties. And so we're buying, you know, large 50 plus unit uh, multifamily properties kind of throughout the Midwest now in, in the United States here. Right. You, multifamily, um, just for my audience, I know that uh, it's, it's a very common phrase in the US, but outside of US, we wouldn't use multifamily often. It's, it's kind of apartment buildings, though, essentially. Isn't that right? Yeah. I mean, it's a it's a fancy name for apartment buildings. That's kind of yeah. what they call it in the industry. But I always knew them as apartment buildings. Um, I think I've just adopted the lingo now, but yeah, I mean, it's an, it's an apartment building, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a simple, I think simple for people to understand and, and that's really what, what we focus on. Yeah. It's great. And I mean, the syndication thing is good because you're, you're coupling your money 
with lots of other high net investors, uh, high net worth investors. And yeah. they put together, you know, you, you basically can carve out fees and things like that as well for, you know, the management of the asset and things like that. So it's, it's a good, yeah. it's a good, uh, it's a good business. I've actually done it myself in the yeah. past and, uh, and it works quite well, but tell yeah. us, I mean, just going back to, uh, you know, that when you and five guys sat around the kitchen table and started your, your mark, your management consulting business, I mean, how did you guys like kick that off? Did you have a couple of clients that, that were ready to kind of start straight away or did you have to go out and start looking for business? Yeah. Yeah, we did. And we, we really had a, a current client that was willing to kind of come, come with us, if you will, and okay. help, help us get started actually uh, even to the point of, you know, giving us a loan and helping us um, really get launched. And, and then uh, even going as far as the helping with, uh, you know, some of the initial marketing and things as we were going. Sounds like an angel investor. <laughs> it, it was similarly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kind of not uh, that defined, but really that, that was kind of the role uh, that they played. And so that, that was hugely helpful um, because they had a fairly, they were fairly well-known, especially on the West coast of, right. the, of the United States. And so we we're able to really kind of expand uh, through their network initially. And then as you start to build with any business, right, your own track record and yeah. your own results. And we could start to kind of expand uh, eastward until we hit uh, really both coasts with from clients. And fast forwarding to the, to the end of the five-year period, uh, you're, cash, you're cashed out now and, you're, and your four colleagues have cashed out. Do you sort of stay together as a group like investing or have you gone your separate ways? You know, we've gone our separate ways into different businesses, um, but we we invest in each other's businesses now, which is which is kind of cool. Uh, I think when you when you know people, you know, and you know, uh, they're good you know, operators. You trust and, in them, yeah. You yeah. know that they're good operators. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we've gone different ways. I've gone into real estate. Two of the uh, my other partners uh, actually started. Uh, an online music business and community kind of a totally, di totally different thing. And so, wow. yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's cool to see how we've continued to evolve. And tell me just from a, for, you know, this is a bit of an aside from, from your real estate business, but, you know, getting into uh, a business with four other partners, like what would you say are the kind of the critical founding kind of principles that you all have to kind of the, the values you need to share in, in order for it to work? Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say, um, looking back, or, or just knowing what I know now, and being naive back then, uh, we got really lucky that we we were able to bring that many people together and and make it work. Uh, and, and actually, it, uh, and it just worked really well, kind of organically. And um, you know, I think that you all have to you all have to kind of be starting at the same place. You all have to be willing to take on, you know, a fair amount of risk. Like you can't have, you know, we all kind of shared in that. You can't have one side taking on more risk than the other. Uh, I think you've got to understand at the beginning, you know, what's your exit plan and make sure that everybody's aligned uh, mm. and everybody has the same idea of, of what they want to achieve. Um, you know, and I think there, there's got to be a lot of trust. There's got to be a lot of trust and, and we had known, we had all known each other for a time. So, so there was trust there, but I think there were also some really good conversations like sitting down and just really 
making everything bare and kind of, uh, you know, open up the kimono, if you will, and mm. making sure that, that we all really knew each other and that we were all on the same page and, and we were all in this, um, together and, and then we we're going to be in it for the long haul. And I think that started things off well. Um, and then I think that the other thing that worked really well was just, we, we all had different skill sets and those skill sets blended together. And I think we were able to stay within our own lanes and, so they complement one another yeah. and complement each other. And because we trusted that, that the other person or the other people were going to take care of their, their side of things. And therefore we could focus on our side of things. Uh, Cause I, I focused a lot on kind of the front end, the marketing and sales um, and, and then even like valuations and things were kind of the front end of the process. And we had others that focused on, you know, really the, the implementation of the work and, and managing the projects and then others that focused more on kind of the HR and, and the internal operations and different things. And so, yeah, it worked really well. Sounds like, yeah, you, you really landed on your feet because uh, bringing five guys together, you could have all five want to be, you know, in the driving seat, all five want to That's be, right. you know, and, and you could end up squabbling and, and I've that's seen right. those, those kind of things falling apart pretty quickly. Yeah, and that's what I mean by, I think, you know, <laughs> some things you wouldn't do if, if you knew, you know, if I knew now what I did then, I don't know if I would have done it again. But I mean, there's some benefit in being naive and and kind of having your rose-colored glasses on yeah. and saying like, yeah, of course this is going to work out. Why wouldn't it? You know, and and luckily for us, it did. But yeah, but yeah a lot of them don't. So you had a, a, a decent exit in 2015 and you're sitting on some capital. I mean, what's going through your mind in terms of your next step? Because, you know, at that stage, you know, that capital is there. You've worked hard for that capital. You don't want yeah. to burn it in a, in a bad investment. So tell us about your thought process there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I knew, you know, I, there's a, you know, I don't know who said it. There's a quote. The only free lunch is diversification, right? When you yeah. talk about econ economics. And so I, you know, being, I was a finance and econ guy in college and had always followed, uh, kind of followed those, just followed those spaces. And so, you know, I, I, I thought I was a pretty good investor. I knew I wanted to diversify. Right. And so I knew I had a, a decent brokerage portfolio, had stocks and different things, but but I knew I didn't want to continue to pile on there, right? And just have all my eggs in one basket. So I knew I wanted to find somewhere else to start to diverse, get better diversification. So I started looking into just other asset classes, started contacting people, uh, actually found, you know, a, a family friend of mine was uh, a mortgage broker. Uh, so he, he did, he worked at a bank and did commercial loans. And so, um, so I really started with him from a real estate standpoint. And so he was doing some investing on the side, kind of brought me into some of the things that he was doing. Um, and that was really kind of how I got started with real estate. And then I started just, just educating myself, started with a lot of podcasts, honestly, podcasts and podcasts led to books, books led to seminars and conferences and uh, you pick it up as you go yeah. from there. Yeah. Um, and so but, tell us, I mean, taking, taking, I mean, that's a, that's a great pathway. And a lot of people go down that path, but then there's that moment when you've got to, as we would say, pardon the language, the shit or get off the pot and you, you yeah. got to kind of make a move. So yeah. what was your first deal that you kind of said, okay, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do this deal. What was it to describe your first deal? Yeah. So, so there's a couple of first deals, um, you know, 
but I think that that moment for me, everything up to that point had been kind of relatively small. I think we had done like some, some single family house fix and flips, like you see on TV, you know, that kind of thing, but, but relatively small dollar amounts. Right. Um, really it was, it was in 2019 when, um, you know, we were, we had kind of built up, I'd, I'd invested a lot of money with other people, but hadn't led my own large scale apartment syndication. Right. 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 And that was really kind of that, like you said, shit or get off the pot type of moment where it's like, okay, if you're going to do this, then this is a chance to do it. You're never going to have a better opportunity. And so you got to just have, have faith over fear and just, just trust it's going to work out. And, and again, I, I relied on partnerships. I had some partners who were more experienced than I was, I tell people, you know, I wasn't driving. I was sitting shotgun in that deal, which, which maybe that's a, an American term, but you no, know, I was kind of know. in the front seat, but uh, not quite the driver. Right. right. Gotcha. Um, and so, so again, because I had the partnership and because at that point I had found a couple of mentors, I was in uh, two actually paid coaching programs. So I felt that I had kind of the backstop if you will, the, the team to make sure that I avoided the potholes and that I didn't make yeah. any massive mistakes. Right. I had, I had more experienced people to lean on, but that was really that moment. And we went out and bought 250 apartments, 250 units, in uh, wow. two apartment buildings. Uh, actually it was in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. And, um, you know, that was the first time that I was really working in the deal, raising capital and, uh, you know, managing the investor relations and doing, going through the underwriting process, the due diligence process as somebody that's really leading it, not just as someone who's investing in a deal and someone else is leading it. And so and you're responsible of, as well for how the deal goes and things like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, it took me, you know, it was really from the end of 15, almost to the end of 19, to really just build my education to the point where I felt comfortable that I could take other people's money on and, and feel confident that we could not only not lose it, but like, but be a success. Right. And, and, and grow people's wealth. And that was ultimately, um, you know, it's ultimately our goal. I mean, as, as I saw these type, as I learned about this type of investing over those three, four years, and I was having success on my own and my net worth was growing, I started realizing, like, wow, most people don't know about this. Most people don't know you can invest like this. And really, that's mm. why I started my own podcast was to, to try to tell people, you can't invest like this. You should invest like this. You need to diversify, right? And so, yeah, for all those reasons. But, th- but that was really that moment of going out and saying, okay, you actually have to, you have to raise money, right? You have, you have to tell people about this. You have to really put yourself out there in front of people. And um, you may, you may or may not believe this, but I'm, I'm really, uh, an introvert by nature. I, you know, I'm not really an extroverted person that that's my wife. hundred percent. She's, you know, she, extrovert. she's, she's the extrovert. She's always the star of the show. And, and so having to really put myself out there in that way, uh, was very uncomfortable at first. Mm, yeah. I can imagine I can relate. I've done, I've done that over the years. And, um, I mean, tell us, I mean, if, just thinking about, you're doing a couple of small single family homes and then you're suddenly you're, you're making the big leap to, mm-hmm. to 250, which is a significant increase in the scale that you've, yeah. I mean, was there any self-limiting beliefs there that kind of held you back prior to that? Would you have done it earlier? Do you think? <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a handful, handful <laughs> of limiting beliefs. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, everybody has them. Right. And I'm, I'm no different. And, and I still, 
I mean, I deal with them every day. I can tell you, I'll go. So I will go back to that and tell you, but I can just tell you today. Uh, so we're, we're working on our biggest raise that we've ever done now. And, and, and we've grown and it's $10 million and, and it's incredible because I'm like, wow, we've, we've grown so far, but even today, uh, like, you know, you think about I'm getting up this morning and trying to get in the right mindset and thinking about imposter syndrome creeping in, you know, well, who am I to do this? And I have to go, I have to go ask these people for money and all these things. And it's, uh, so yeah, it's something that you're always working on. Right. But, but yeah, I, th- I think initially, you know, it was kind of that idea of, you know, just the fear of, you know, do I, do I know enough? You know, who am I? Have I done, you know, I haven't done it before, you know, should I be taking people's money? What if it goes wrong? Right. All, all of these things. And then, and then just, you know, why are they going to want to hear from me? Why are they going to want to invest with me? Right. Those types of things. They have other Um, choices out there. They have other choices. Like who am I right out of all these other people? And so absolutely, you know, you had to get over those things. And the way that I, the way that I found to, to best get over those, well, well one is having, uh, you know, I had, a, I've had a couple great mentors in my life that have really just kind of kicked me in the pants and, and, and helped me, help me get through it. But also say like, you just got to get started, like quit worrying about it and just get started. And that's been a huge lesson in, in my life. And, yeah. you know, uh, I, I, another, I was on, I was on another podcast and, and the guy said, uh, named Billy Keels. And I just, I loved his quote. And he said, you know, I'm, I'm a recovering perfectionist. And I was like, I can really relate to that. Oh, big time. Know, yeah. <laughs> because uh, I've really had to learn that, you know, done is better than perfect. And, uh, you know, you just have to get yourself out there and, and you're your worst critic. And other people will give you a lot more grace than you give yourself. And, and, and every time I put myself out there, the response has been really positive, you know? And so now I have these these things I can look back on and say, you know, this worked well, this worked well. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah. yeah it's, it's hard at first putting yourself out there and, but, you, but we are our own worst critics. And, and if I think if we can believe that, um, then, then that helped me a lot. The other thing that really helped me was I had a mentor that told me, you know, and this was around starting my podcast. Cause I started my podcast in 2019 and, and even then there were a lot of podcasts. And so I, again, I was like, well, who am I like to, I'm going to say the same stuff. Everybody else, has said, right. I haven't been in the industry for 30 years. Um, and a mentor of mine said, you know, it's, it's not about saying something different, but it's about the way that you're going to say it and the way that you'll communicate it. And that there will be certain people that will resonate with you and they will hear the message because of the way that you said it. And they may not hear it. And he had a podcast himself. He said, you know, they may not hear it when I say it, you know, or they, they may not like how I say it, but, but there will be people that will resonate with you and there will be people that, that will want to hear your message. And he was right. It, it's the truth. But yeah, um, it's yeah. so true. It's so true. And um, in terms of, I mean, just you mentioned there, figure you're raising 10 million. Like, what does that mean in terms of numbers of people? I mean, how many investors does that, is that like 40 people or 50 or what's the kind of scale? That you're... Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's going to be somewhere. I think at the end, it'll be somewhere between about 100 and 120 people. Wow. Okay. So you're, you're making a lot of calls and you're probably meeting people and yeah. doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Being and there. We've got a, yeah. And, and, you know, we've got a great group of people. I've got a lot of return investors that will invest in every deal, but yeah, there's a lot of new people uh, that have to be met um, to, to meet that number. Like I said, it's about triple 
the amount that we've raised uh, for for an individual deal uh, mm. thus far. And so, yeah, it's uh, you know, but I'm I've I've just I've learned to I've learned to seek out that uncomfortable feeling because that that uncomfortable feeling means that that we're growing. Yeah. You're you know? learning. It's you're like, learning. yeah, I could go ahead. I could do another deal where we need to raise 2 million bucks. And I know that we could use I mean, we've already raised that, that more than that on this deal, you know, we'd be yeah. done, but, um, but you know, we're always just pushing to do more and do better. And we had, a, we had a, just an awesome opportunity to, to acquire a larger apartment and, and I didn't want to turn down that opportunity. And so I've gotten myself to the point with my mindset and, and it's daily work. I've got daily rituals that I do that, to believe that, you know what, we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll, we'll get we'll it get done. There. We'll put the work in, we'll get there. You know, if you believe it, it'll come. And I, and I do, I do really believe that. And I think if you put the work in, it'll come. And um, so, yeah, so I, I'm confident that we'll get there, but yeah, it's hard work along the way. And tell us, I mean, you, you know, starting out as a management consultant, you've obviously got some soft skills that you can bring to bear and, and, and apply. I mean, what, what did you learn in the, in the management consulting business that's kind of really been helpful in the real estate business? Yeah. I mean, a lot, I would say from just putting, how to put together a presentation, you know, from, from like the actual PowerPoint piece of it to then actually how to frame a presentation, how to present, uh, you know, when I was a management consultant at the end of my career, I was presenting to a lot of CFOs and boards. And so I, I having that experience, I think that polish has been very helpful. Um, understanding what people want to, uh, what people want to hear, right. Understanding what level of detail to go into. I think those have all been tremendously helpful skills, um, being yeah, able to I mean, read the room. Yeah, be, exactly. Being able to read the room and, and, and really adjust to your audience um, and meet people. You know, I had a, I had a sales coach and, and he had, a, he gave me a quote one time and it was, you know, you know, you got to meet, meet the buyer where they are. And I I've really taken that to heart uh, because I think everybody starts in different places. Everybody's coming from different places. And um you know, for example, uh, I could be talking with somebody and they could never have invested in real estate before. And they're not even sure they want to invest in real estate. Well, that's a totally different conversation than somebody who's, who's invested in 20 deals and just loves real estate. Right. Yeah. Um, and so you've got to start in different places with them. And so, you know, maybe I need to convince them that they should invest in real estate. And then from there that they should, you know, there's a lot of ways to do real estate that they should invest in, in multifamily or apartment buildings. Right. And then, okay. They, they believe they should invest in apartment buildings, but like, should they do it with me or one of the hundreds of other people that are out there? Right. Yeah. And so, okay. Then they believe they should invest in me. Okay. But now they should invest in me, but is this the right deal for them? Right. So we've maybe gone down three or four layers before we're actually talking about the deal that I want to put in front of them. Yeah, right. If yeah. I just started and said, Hey, I got this great deal. You know, they, and, they and wouldn't be open to it. Just getting into that specific example that you use. I mean, in that situation, would that be one single sit down or would that be a couple of meetings? That would be a couple of meetings. I, I mean, that would be, yeah. that would be a series of meetings. I mean, I, I don't think there's a lot of people, I mean, cause we're talking, our minimum investment amount is, is $50,000. So it's a significant amount of money and, you know, most people don't, don't do that lightly. And so it, it's very much a relationship driven business, which I think also came from, 
just a comfort that from the consulting side where, you know, we were selling multi-million dollar projects. So it's not, it's not high volume. It, it was always low volume, big dollar amounts. And I think it's similar. And so I understand that it's, I'm not expecting anybody to, to have one conversation with them and, and then hand me a hundred thousand dollars. You know? <laughs> so I, I recognize it's a process and that's why for me, it's always about relationship building and it's always trying to meet those people before you actually have an investment so that you can, you can build that relationship over time. And that's, I think uh, that's the most important thing. You take the words right out of my mouth. This is something that I taught. I have a small mastermind group and, uh, and, and this is the kind of um, advice that I give that, you know, mm-hmm. you don't meet an investor and say, listen, I really need your money, you know, this week because the investment's closing next week. Right. Or something. <laughs> you have to have, you know, met that person, built the rapport, have their trust, understand their motivation, their needs, their investment horizon, make sure that this is the right deal for them before you pitch the deal. Because you could be there talking to somebody who's comfortable with kind of, you know, 12 month kind of in and out kind of a deal. And you're talking Mm -hmm. about something that might be five years before you're able to get your exit. No point in introducing that deal to somebody who's never, you know, not comfortable with that kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And and really when, when I have that first conversation with folks, I try to talk as little as possible. You know, I, I try to listen and, and I try to understand first, you know, where, where are they starting? Right. And then where are they trying to go? Everybody has different goals. Um, yes. Everybody wants to make more money, but, but that can look a lot of different ways. Like you said, different time frames. you know, different risk tolerances, different things. So I just, I try to get all that out in that first meeting and just understand that. So that way I can, you know, kind of guide the rest of the conversation and say, well, okay. And even when it gets down to the end, okay, well, well, this deal would probably be good for them. I don't think they're going to be interested in this one. So, you know, don't have yeah. to bring, I can bring, pair the right deal with the right type of person yeah. uh, and, and with the right goals. And so I think you have to start by listening and understanding where they're at um, before you just, I think that's where a lot of people go wrong. And that's where I went wrong early in my, my management consulting sales career was, Hey, listen, look, we got this, we got this product. Here's why you should buy it. We'll totally do that. You know, all that and just hitting them with it. And, and who knows if they, they don't even know, you know, who you are. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like trying and, to get a girl's number at a bar, like, you know, the first yeah. time you sort of meet her. Yeah. It's, exactly. Uh, it takes, you know, you've got to build a rapport and you got to build trust and you got to kind of, you know, make sure that everyone is comfortable with the pace of the yeah. uh, engagement. And yeah, tell me exactly. in terms of your, um, I mean, you're you're raising money now and and a lot of investors that are out there are in that kind of mindset that they've they've used up all their own capital and the only way to scale your business is to actually go out there and start you know raising money from others and try to grow the business i mean what are, would your what tips would you put out there in terms of when you're raising money when you're putting deals together like what are the key things that you're looking for in a deal yeah, good, good question. So, so actually, like in in the deal, like the real estate part of it, or well, like I mean, what do you think? you're 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 raising ten million at the moment. Um, yeah, how are you going out? Like, what's the messaging that you're going out to investors with when you're talking about this? Sure, sure. So there's, I, I look at it as there's kind of like our our standard. Uh, not stock, but kind of templated messaging, which is going to talk about, you know, obviously we're going to talk about the market, you know, why we like the market. We're going to talk about 
you know, the sub market, like the neighborhood it's in. We're going to talk about the deal itself, the, the building, why we like that building and why all this makes sense. But then I think what we've been trying to do a lot of is just also recognizing the environment that we're in and, and try to put out some more like, I guess, like contextual type of messaging too. For like, you know, in, in the US, um, interest rates have, have risen significantly. Um, and so that's something on everybody's mind. I mean, every investor I talk to is kind of like, well, what's going to happen with interest rates? You know, I'm yeah. concerned about that. So, so trying to help just get in front of those things and, and show people that we are, you know, one that we're, we're obviously aware and thinking about them, but then two, like, what are we doing to address these risks? Is like, yes, interest rates are going to go up, but that doesn't mean that this is not uh, that this is not a bad investment. And then there's a lot of reasons of, of why it actually makes it an even better investment. And so, so trying to just help people understand, because, you know, I don't, I don't really look at it as a sales pitch. I look at it as I'm trying to educate people the best that I can, because I feel if I educate them in the right way and show them all the points, then just like it did for me back in kind of 2015, it'll come together for them and that light bulb will go off and they'll say, yeah, this is absolutely something that, that we should be doing, you know? And, and then in that way, it's not some like high pressure sales environment where, you know, you got, you know, it's like, don't miss out. You're going to miss out. Give it to me now. You got, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so that, that's really just not my approach. And so I think, um, so I guess at relating that to lessons for people is like, like you said, start early. Like I, I tell people like start telling people that you're, you're, what you're doing and that you're going to be raising money six months before you actually need the money. Start warming them up to that idea because people really have to view you in a different light than they've been viewed previous, than you've been viewed previously, right? Like, like people may view you as like your friend from college or, you know, somebody that you grab a beer with, you know, after work or, you know, a colleague, whatever, but not as somebody like a real estate investor who they're going to hand over 50, 100, $250,000 to, right. It's just yeah. it's very a custodian of their heart. Yeah. And custodian. Yeah. You have to frame yourself in that light and show your expertise and your credibility. Um, and you need to start that early. And then I think that the two, you know, would be in your communication. I think just have integrity in your communication and, and make sure that you're focused on education first and not sales. I think if you educate people the right way and build trust, I think the the sale, the investment will come, but yeah. just yeah, focus on smart. education. Yeah, I think that's a wise way to do it all right because you know, educating people also it provide it puts you in a frame of reference as a kind of an expert. When you project if you're kind of a salesperson, people see you as this kind of pushy salesperson. Mm-hmm. If you're educating them, and you're not making it kind of overtly obvious that, you know, there's, there's a handout kind of that, that you're looking for yeah. money. Uh, people kind of go, mm, this actually, you know, you're, you're clearly, you know, your stuff, you're an expert and they've learned something. And so they feel more comfortable giving you the, uh, yeah, the benefit of the doubt and that you, yeah. that you've kind of know what you're talking about and stuff like that. Mm. Um, tell us, Kent, just in terms of habits and behaviors that you think now looking back at your, you know, your last three years since you started, doing this on a, on a more regular basis? Like what are the habits and behaviors that have really led to the success that you've seen so far? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that, you know, I, I think of them as rituals and I think that I think rituals are extremely important for entrepreneurs 
Uh, and that was one of the lessons I learned was just because when, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're your own boss, you don't have anybody telling you what to do next. And so you could, I mean, I could sit here all day and do nothing and no, nobody's going to be yelling at me. Right. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so it's, it's important, I think, to develop rituals and schedules so that you, you make sure that you're, you're just, you're focusing on the most important things and that you're, you know, you're staying, um, you're just, you're always moving, right. And that you're focused and you're focusing on the right things. So I think from a mindset standpoint, you know, I start my morning, get up early, uh, like five, five thirty in the morning and meditate a journal. Uh, so I meditate for 15 minutes, I journal for 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, you know, I get some exercise or, or some stretching in, uh, just to kind of get the blood flowing. And, and that's really how I start my morning. And I think that's, that's something that I've, I've, my body has just started to really, um, really need, like really, uh, you know, if, if I don't do it, I can really feel it. I mean, even physically. And so, um, you know, that's, that's kind of, it is giving you something to look forward to getting up in the morning. It's hard to get up early. I mean, even after you're doing it for a long time, it's still hard to get up early when you know you could sleep in, but knowing that I can, I get up and, and like, I get to meditate, uh, yeah. that, that just gets me out of bed, you know, and it's something kind of, I think a way to ease in, into the craziness of the day. And so that's how I start. Um, and then throughout my day, you know, this has developed over time, but, but right now, like if I showed you my calendar, every minute of my calendar is scheduled right. uh, and, and it's scheduled thoughtfully because there's a difference between being busy and being productive. Yeah. Um, big time, and big time. you can, you can eat your whole day away just in your inbox, right. Without getting much done, feeling like maybe you accomplished it. You did a lot of stuff, but did you really move the ball, uh, you know, down the path? Right. And I think that when you're an entrepreneur is so critical to make sure you're doing things that are really moving the ball. And so my, my day is scheduled out in a way that I know that like, okay, I'm, I'm talking to brokers, right. Cause I, cause I know my, the two most important things in my business are the relationships with the brokers and the relationships with my investors. And so I'm blocking those times off to make sure that I have dedicated time to do that. Then I'm blocking off time to make sure I'm getting that admin stuff done. Cause like there's that stuff that just has to get done. Right. And that's the stuff that I am notoriously bad for pushing off. Like when I was a management consultant, I would let my expenses receipts go for like three months at a time. Like the, the accounting people hated me. So I know <laughs> that like, I have to stay up on that stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but I'm just very intentional with scheduling. Um, you know, and even with my, I, you know, I have an assistant now who really owns my calendar and she, she's the, the gatekeeper and, and really even just blocking meetings together versus having these awkward, like 15 half hour gaps in between, yeah, right? Cause yeah. that's not very productive time. So I, I just think that's really important. I think figuring out what your ritual is and figuring out what your schedule is and, and schedule intentionally scheduling the things that are going to make you most effective, I think where, where a ton of people go wrong and I did for a while was not scheduling time to be strategic about your business and focus on your business versus in your business, right? So intentionally putting aside time to say like, okay, I'm going to think big picture. I'm going to think about what are new partnerships I could be involved in? You know, what are, what are new groups I could get involved in? How, you know, are we still heading the right direction? Do we need to pivot? Do we need to, are there anything, anything coming that we may not be aware of, right? And just have that space to think. When you do that, actually, th this is a really interesting point because I do that kind of thinking a lot. And I find that 
it's you got to get away from the office to do it. Uh, certainly, in in my uh, opinion, I, I try to yeah. get out of the office. I don't. I find if I'm in the office, the strategic thinking just like evaporates, and you're kind of yeah. straight back in the business. Yeah, but also right in front of you, you know, this is it. And oh, that email is like looks pretty urgent. I better go and deal with that. Yeah. So, and then, but then on top of that, I found that there's this kind of uh, if you if you try to block out like an hour to do thinking like that, it's just not enough. You really need to block mm-hmm. out like several hours or a whole day yeah. even. Because yeah. otherwise, I find that, and it's funny, I, I started writing a book a while ago, and when I, I realized that unless I've spent two or three hours at it, I haven't really done anything kind of creative yet. It's mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. it only, the creative mind only really starts working after you've wasted a couple of hours staring at a page and kind of like, and then it starts to flow. And I go, <laughs> yeah. okay, now it's starting to kind of like flow. Yeah. Uh, so tell us about when you, when you do sit down and start strategically like looking ahead, like what, what does that look like? Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't, and I don't know why, but I, I'm a big, like white, I'm big whiteboarder. So like, I, I like to be up and moving and I like to just have like a big canvas that I can just start to get stuff down on. You know, and that, that's kind of how I, how I start my process, I guess, is, is I just, I feel when I'm thinking in that way and I, and I know I need to think big and, you know, I'm thinking about new things. I feel, I feel if I'm sitting at my computer, even on a piece of paper, I feel kind of like constrained, I guess, from the size or, you know, I don't know. I just feel like if I'm up there and I get like my, you know, four or five colors going and we're, and just get it all down. And then I can kind of look back. Um, and you know, usually I'll kind of take a picture of it and then I can start to kind of put that into more, um, more of a framework, I guess, more of a structure. But for me, it really, it's kind of just the motion being up, not feeling constrained, free flowing around. Yeah. Yeah, And just kind of get it all down. Uh, that really is what I found is most effective for me. Uh, just to get all those thoughts out. It of sounds board. it sounds a little bit like uh, the, the the management consulting rubbed off on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. I, we used to do a lot of whiteboarding sessions. I would have that's right. So. I was know? just thinking that you can take the you can take the management consultant from the yeah, but you can't take the management <laughs> consultant out of the man. You know, it's uh, that's right. That's right. You know, and, and and I don't know why I don't know why that works for me. I just find it, it just it allows me to open up. Uh, my mind and just be more creative, you know, and, and just kind of don't, cause I think if I'm working on a page, I'm worried about, okay, I don't want to take up all the space, you know, there's something you. like that. Yeah. It's like if that, I just throw it out there, you know, and, and I think that's how you have to start. When, when you're sitting down and, and, and mapping out, you know, with investors and educating them and stuff, what does that look like? Is that, is that in, you know, uh, a bar, restaurant, cafe, or do you bring them into an office or how do you, how do you deal with it? Yeah, all of the above, all of the above. Um, you know, we, we've we've been doing more and more virtually, right? Since we've all just moved to that virtual world, so more and more Zoom conversations. Um, I, I like to do a lot of video content. So, like, if we're bringing a deal out, for example, we'll do kind of a, a walk and talk with me on site at the property, walking through the property, talking about what we're going to do. So, like, here's where we're going to put a dog park. Here's where this is going. Trying to just hit on all the senses right for folks and then and then we, we'll do a, a one one big event we do on with every deal is we do a webinar where we'll do like an hour meeting where i just walk through the deal allow people to come on ask questions uh we record that send that out to folks um 
But those things, I think, have been really helpful when there's actually a deal going a lot of a lot of more visual than like in the past. It used to be just, you know, send emails out about it. But I feel like people can really see it and feel it. I think that's a good sense um, of it. Right. You know, I think, yeah, I can I can relate because I can remember one of the biggest drawbacks about when you go out and raise money in a syndication kind of a thing is that it's the lack of it's the lack of communication with the investors that will actually sink it is mm-hmm. that they, if you're not in regular contact, people have a tendency to think that something must be wrong. You know, I haven't heard oh, yeah. f- uh, from this guy in a while and he's got Absolutely. my money. This is, you know, this is concerning me. I, I want to hear from you. And I'm, so you've got to be kind of over, overtly kind of uh, communicative for people to be reassured and, and, to, and walking them through a building and showing them around. I think that's actually a great way to do it because they can yeah. see, you know, with their, with their eyes, they can actually see, okay, so there is actually a building like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. That yeah. Is, that- I mean, I mean, I think that's exactly right. You know, and, and I think people can see my excitement about it, you know, which I honestly think does help because, you know, I get excited about them you know, and, and, and I get excited about the, the prospects of what it can become. And I think that can be an infectious, you know, and I think that helps people kind of just get excited about, about the deal. And, um, but yeah, I, th- I think the point about communication. So this was a back when, when I was an analyst, which is like the, the lowest level. Uh, and I had a manager and, and, and I was doing good work, but I wasn't good about communicating, communicating what I was doing. Right. And, and so that was really when I learned that lesson where, you know, that's what my manager said to me. I said, look, you know, um, you know, if you're not communicating what you're doing, then yeah, I mean, I just, I think you're not doing anything because that, I mean, that's how people think. Like it made me realize like, yeah. wow, that's really, cause I'm like, oh, I'm doing all this work. I'm focused on getting all this done. And to them, they're over here worried about, oh, what, what's Kent doing? I don't think yeah. he's doing anything. Right. Just cause Watching I wasn't Netflix communicating well. <laughs> and so that was a, uh, a very early lesson for me. And I absolutely agree that when people uh, are left to wonder what's going on. Uh, we just, our minds tend to go negative, you know? Yeah, um, and so, you know, I, I flew a ton, right. As a manager consultant every, every week, twice a week. And I really, that was really hit home for me. And this is probably my management consultant piece too, but focusing on the cues, right. When people are lining up and, and just how people respond when uh, a flight's delayed. Right. Cause I've seen, I've seen it all. I've seen examples where a flight's delayed and everybody's kind of like, eh, okay, you know, whatever, that's fine. I've seen others where people just freak out. Right. And they're yelling and cussing. And, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I started to think about like, like, why in one instance, is it this? And the other instance, people are totally going crazy. And it really comes down to communication as I started paying attention to it. it it's the, the airlines and the people that communicated and let people know what was going on and gave people context and gave people regular updates. Most people were reasonable and like, I get it. This stuff yeah. happens, you know, we can't control it. The ones where you're sitting there for like an hour and a half and no one's telling you what's going on are the ones where the people started to really lose it, you know? <laughs> and so I think it's just a great point on communication. I think if you communicate regularly, whether good or bad, let people know what's going on, give people context. I think most people will give you the benefit of the doubt that you're trying your best. Um, it's when you leave them just to wander that people's minds go. Yeah. I think that's a very good point. And I'm just conscious at the time, uh, Kent, we're, we're, in the, we're coming up on, on an hour now. So in terms of, I, I have a couple of final questions that I like to ask sure. my guests. The best advice that you have ever been given? Best advice I've ever been given. Wow. Just, um, 
I think it goes back to what I was talking about around the podcast of like, just get started. You know, it's never going to be perfect. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. And just improve through iteration, right? Improve over time. Cause I can tell you, like we just did our hundredth episode on our podcast. I can tell you the hundredth episode is a hell of a lot better than that first episode, (laughs) but we would have never got to that hundredth episode, if I hadn't just gotten started, I'd be, I'd still be sitting there today thinking, oh, we could tweak this and that and make it perfect. And, you know, it just would never happen. I can totally relate. Yeah. This is, uh, I hit uh, episode 107 uh, on Monday. So yesterday. Nice. So, Congrats. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's good to get there. Um, and tell me this. So this, that's a good bit of advice. Now let's flip it on, on its head and you have an opportunity to go back and speak to young Kent who's still in school and you want to give him some advice because you know now what you know. What advice yeah. is that? Oh my gosh. Just quit messing around with management consultant. Just start start buying real estate. Uh, because, <laughs> Jump straight in. Because outside of a short time period between like 2008 and 2010, everything's only going to go up for the next like 15 years. So yeah, <laughs> that, that would be my advice would be get get started, focus on real estate. Uh, you're going to love it. It's going to become your passion. So just, just do it early. Get stuck in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a bit, I'm just wondering what's going to happen with inflation and interest rates and all this kind of stuff. It, it is a moment in time where the market could get a little shaky given, given our history in 2008 and stuff like that, but yeah, we shall, we shall leave that for another day. Kent, I mean, hey, uh, I'm happy to talk about it, but my crystal ball is not any clearer than anybody else's, but I've got my opinions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think everybody sees the, 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 the demand, the supply and demand imbalances in the markets these days mm-hmm. and kind of thinks mm-hmm. that it's, it's different to how it was in 2007, because in 2007, it was this big credit bubble and everyone was like throwing darts That's at a right. board. So I think That's it's a little right. different, but um. Kent, it's been a real pleasure. If anyone wanted to learn more about you or connect or anything like that, what's the best way to reach out? Yeah, I appreciate that. You can go to my website, kentritter.com. And uh, from there, you can access you know, really everything. We do a lot of videos, uh, our podcast, our blog. Uh, you can access, you can go to, there's current offerings on the website. If you're interested in, in looking into some of our investments, you can, you can check that out too. So that's really my home base. Sounds good. All right, Kent, thank you so much for your time today. And, uh, and I wish you the best of luck. Thanks, Gavin. Appreciate having me on the show and really enjoyed the conversation. Hey, guys, it's me again. Quickly, before you go, just take a moment to leave a review over on iTunes or whatever platform you like to, to use. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in the future, please leave a comment below on the YouTube video or just connect with me in the Facebook group Behind the Facade community. My social media handle is Gavin J. Gallagher and you can connect with me in there. And don't forget to check out my new property investor readiness test, uh, which I've put a link below. And finally, consider joining my tribe over on my website, GavinJGallagher.com. I wish you all a great week. Talk soon.